You know, Mother's Day is, is really a tricky Sunday for most preachers because we, we realize that the audience in which we're speaking is really a diverse audience. There are uh, women who have had children. There are women who have wanted to have children who couldn't. And so sometimes Mother's Day brings about memories about, you know, barrenness. Uh, we know that uh, there are people in the congregations of which we speak who, who may not have had a great relationship with their mother. And, and so to hear words of affirmation of moms on Mother's Day, sometimes that's a real struggle. So I recognize that. There's some of us in the room that uh, maybe your mom has gone on to life eternal and Mother's Day is a, is a day that gets you thinking about, you know, your memories of her and maybe some brokenness of heart. I was looking through Facebook and making some posts of my own the last couple of days, and, and I'm reading all of these folks who have said goodbye to their moms. So again, it's a, it's a very um, interesting day for us, and it's a very complicated day sometimes for pastors, uh, but uh, we try to do our very best uh, to recognize the diversity of the audience in which we do. But fear not, no matter where you are on that spectrum, fear not that uh, Mother's Day is a day that also reminds us of, of good things that happen. It's a, it's a day to discover not only uh, what God intended mothers to be, but also to see God um, as God's part of God's creation. God is both father and mother. God is all things. And as I'm going to share today, there are so many characteristics about God that remind us of motherhood that we want to, uh, to focus on. Um, I love what the video said, a beautiful line. It said, God perfectly arranged each of you in the role that you have today. Speaking of women, and, and I believe what he said was, and those words are to encourage you, and those words are to give you hope um, as you move forward in your life. And I hope that, that those words today um, will give some significance that those words today will, will make some meaning. And, and that's whether, whether you are a mother who bore children or not, I believe that, that all women are called into a role uh, to be mother figures uh, to all of us. So I hope that you'll cherish that. Um, I've been blessed with some wonderful women in my life. And as I think about you know, my mom who, who still is alive and she lives in Orlando. Mom, if you're watching, glad you're watching this morning. And I, and I don't know how she did it. You know, she raised four boys, and um, I've told you in the past, I'm the youngest and best-looking of my three brothers. And, but, uh, and Mom, I hope you agree that the others aren't watching, so you can agree all you want to, you know. But uh, I, I don't know how she did that. So she's been a strong female role model in my life. My wife, Patty, is a, is a great female role model. I love our, our adult daughters, Leanne and Kimberly, great uh, female and mother role models. So I've had some great role models um, in my life. And I think I'm thinking back about how, how my mom did it, you know, raising four boys. Um, uh, she, she worked as well and uh, worked hard with my dad to make sure that we didn't go without. And my mom later in life, I mean, she was well later in life, went back to college and got her Bachelor of Science in Computer Science. We used to joke whether you got a BS and CS, but anyway. Um, but, but that was the kind of person she was, and she had goals and aspirations. And, and I find a lot of her identity in the way she gives back to our family and the way she provided. Uh, a lot parallels the words of Proverbs 31, uh, uh, the character of a noble woman. Uh, when I met my wife, Patty, our senior year of high school, um, you know, I was kind of a, um, a rebel rouser. I know it's hard to believe. I was a rebel rouser. Um, and, and, but she was the one who, who really was raised in the church, and, and I believe God placed her in my life when God did as a way to, to bring me back into a life of, 
of loving God again. And so she's been a huge impact with that. And, and our daughters, uh, I think they're amazing women. And, and uh, like so many of your children, they're, they're beacons of light uh, for uh, a, a world that often is dark. And they, they work tirelessly to instill values in our grandchildren to make sure that, that when our grandchildren grow up that they truly can be kids that can change the world and make it a better place. So, but think about it. So when you, when you think about the things that are really important about what your mothers did for you, what are some things that come to mind? You know, when you think about that question, what is it that was important that my mom did for me? I think most of us would probably settle in on the same things. We would say that, that, that our moms listened to us. You know, our moms gave us their attention. They listened and they were compassionate. They modeled compassion and they taught us how to serve others. And, and I think mothers also have taught and encouraged our faith. Uh, my experience in life is it's mostly the mother who is the influencer of the child in the journey of faith. Um, and we're, we're really praying and encouraging dads to become more involved so that dads can be a, a huge spiritual force as well. But mothers are usually the ones that do that. Supportive and helped you to be strong. Um, how many times did you go to your mom when, when, when you had challenges or troubles in life and you, uh, she gave you the encouragement uh, and support to deal with that? And, and unconditional love. Um, moms, in most instances, did that. So when we look at those characteristics that are on the screen, I was looking at that and I said, wow, that is a glimpse of God. Isn't that part of what, a glimpse of what God does for us? I mean, God is a great listener. God listens to us. God, through Jesus, models us a role of compassion and, and a way in which uh, we're to serve others, that God teaches us about our faith and encourages its development. God is supportive and, and helps us to be strong when we're weak, and, and God shows us unconditional love. You know, in the first century church, um, the writers of Scripture specifically, it was a very patriarchal society, a very patriarchal world. So women were not seen as primary, they were seen as secondary. And that's why we see a lot of the he language um, in the Scriptures, because it was just a patriarchal system in which it was written. But when you think about these indicators of God that we just looked at, these are maternalistic instincts. These are ways of us seeing a different side of God that if we were to label, you know, uh, God as Father and the strengths and the characteristics that come with that, but now we're seeing these maternal instincts of God and how God comes to us as mothers. You know, mothers give us birth, and Jesus talks about we're to be born anew. We're to be born in a new life and a new spirit. In the early church, they called the baptismal fonts the wombs of God, and therefore, you know, you would go through the womb of God through baptism, through the waters of baptism, and be born new in a life, the life that comes in Jesus Christ. I love the great prophet Isaiah. Um, he writes a couple of places, and he reminds us of the same thing in, in chapter 66. He says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. So God is speaking through all these prophetic voices when the people are running away from God, God is wooing them back in the voice of mother. Comfort and come back to me, come back to my bosom, so to speak, that I might love and protect you. Isaiah continues to write, he says, can a, can a mother forget the baby of her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, 
I will not forget you. So, so God says that when we think in our lives that if our mothers could ever fathom to, to just not remember us at all, God is saying, you know what? If that ever happens, I'll remember you. I'm there, and I will care for you in a great peace. So this language that we see, this maternalistic side of God, reminds us and gives a charge to women that, that your testimony, that your life, that you're pouring into, that you are those who are called to lead others like me and others into a more compassionate faith. Did you catch all that? It's a big definition. But that's the role of a woman. A role of a woman, God has instilled in you to lead children and adults into a more and deeper compassionate faith. That's what I believe God has placed on you for that. When I look back in my life, and, and, and again, I go back to my mom, you know, um, I look at all those times that, that she had to be praying desperately, just help him get it. Just help him put the pieces together. See, I was strange back then, too. And, and, and I just know that it was those prayers. And then I think about my, my paternal grandmother. Think about your paternal grandmother. If you knew her, um, or if you, if you didn't know her, maybe, maybe you knew about her, but I knew mine. She lived in North Florida, and we called her Momo, Mo Martin. And um, she was, um, sometimes she would, I would get a little cranky with her because she was really a woman of God. And as a child, I didn't, I didn't really want that. I didn't want her talking about Jesus all the time. I wanted to talk baseball and football. And, but she loved wrestling, though. Boy, let me tell you what, she was like a big NWA fan. You know, Jack Briscoe and Harley Race. And some of y'all are going like, I remember those names. You know, the ultimate warrior, remember him as well? Rocky Johnson, remember Rocky? Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, but she was always quoting scripture, and I'd get irritated at that early on, and I'd be like, Momo, seriously? You know, do we? But, but what I was learning in an early age was that she constantly had the word of God in her mouth. She was constantly giving God praise. And now, as a, a 57-year-old adult, I look back and I say that those words of praise that she gave God were little glimpses of hope and adoration, but God's grace in my life that when I made my mistakes, that those words that she spoke were to help me to see a greater life lesson. And so I, I, can't, I can't replicate that. You know, Paul, Paul talks about the significance of grandmothers and, and, and even great-grandmothers. And Paul says that, that mothers have tremendous influence in the lives of their children. And, and also grandmothers. You know, grandparents, we get away with a lot. How many of y'all are grandparents? Okay, a lot of you. So we get away with a lot. We can spoil kids. Grandmas can get away with everything. They can spoil the kids rotten, and that's what they do. Um, so, so there's that special relationship. So Paul said there's something special about grandmothers in the life of children. He, he's writing in his second letter uh, to Timothy. Timothy was his spiritual son. And Paul said, I, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. So Paul says, I see this great faith in you, Timothy. And he says, it was first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. So Paul says that, that your grandmother and your mother raised you, Timothy, in the faith. Remember I said earlier, usually it's the mothers who take the lead role in a lot of this. And because of their influence in Timothy's life, Paul saw in Timothy as the church was being birthed, Paul saw in this young man a foundation of faith that could only come 
through the teachings of his grandmother and his mother. And Paul is overwhelmed with this. He's making clear that, that it began with grandma, and then mother passed it on. And now we are called to pass it on to our kids as well uh, through the years. I'm reminded of Hannah. Hannah, um, Hannah was the mother of Samuel, who was probably uh, the last judge that we see in the scriptures. And Samuel was actually probably the first great prophet after the death of Moses. And so we see, you know, Hannah, she's barren, and she's constantly praying in the story of, of, this book, of the book of 1 Samuel. She's constantly praying that God would bless her to have a child, and it's just not happening. You know, we read stories about, you know, um, uh, in the Old Testament of, of Sarah in at, at 90, you know, having a child. We read about Elizabeth, you know, bearing the son of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. I mean, we, we see all this, but, but Hannah was barren, and she couldn't have a child. And she's praying, and she's praying, and she's praying. And finally, God blesses her with a child. God blesses her with, with Samuel, this, this huge person that we see in the Old Testament. And she takes Samuel to a place of worship at Shiloh. Now, most people would just say, okay, now I have, I've had what I've asked for. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to do my own thing. But what does she do? She dedicates her son back to the service of God. In fact, what she's really saying is, I'm going to release in some respects my being your mother because God has answered this prayer and blessed me so deeply with you, my son. So she submits him back to God's service fully and uh, in, into the service of God. And, and it's recorded here in 1 Samuel. She said, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him back to the Lord for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. Now think about that. I mean, how many moms have prayed that kind of prayer for their children through the years? Moms, let me ask you, grandmas, how many times have you prayed that kind of prayer for your children? God, just open their eyes for faith. Lord, help them to make good choices. God, just, just help them to, to, to follow your ways. Lord, protect them. I mean, all these prayers that come out, how many moms have prayed that prayer for their children to come back home to the church. Most of us leave the church probably in our high school years or maybe right after high school in those college years. And, 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 and if we're not careful, we are like gone forever. If you take a look in our churches today across the United States, you'll find out that a lot of what's missing are the younger people. They're disconnected. So moms are praying. They're praying for their children to, to find their way back to the church, to reconnect and, and, and find ways to, to connect with that. And those, those prayers of mom are the ones that are calling us back. The prayers of a beautiful woman. I want to switch gears for a second here because I want to talk also today about what moms need from their children. Now, when I survey the room, most of us are adult children. Most of us are middle-aged children. Some of, some, of, some of us maybe don't have moms who are here, but I think you'll connect with what I'm trying to say. Moms need children to give back to them. In the counseling world, we call it the love bank. If you've ever heard that expression, what that means is that if you have a need and I give it to you, 
I empty my bank and I fill your account on your end. If you're together in a family and your spouse has a need, the spouse who's giving withdraws from their bank account uh, and, and gives uh, their love bank account and gives to the other one who's in need. So one has a positive transaction, one has a debit, one has a net credit, and it goes like this. You following me? And we're called to make sure that also the one who's constantly giving out, who's emptying their love bank, has some deposits coming back in to replenish their love bank. If you know anything about banking, you know that if you make too many withdrawals from your account, what happens? You're overdrawn. You're not putting anything in it. You can't write checks. Well, you can write checks, but they're not going to clear. Okay? And so, so we find this great challenge that comes with us. If we're not careful, our love bank will just empty and empty and empty. And, if, and I see this happen a lot with moms. Moms are giving so much to their children, so much to their children. You know, in our, in our relationships, you know, when we're together in an adult relationship, let's say we're married, if one spouse is constantly withdrawing and the other spouse is constantly depositing and there's no depositing going back to the one who's doing all the withdrawing, we call that divorce. No, we do. It's what happens. And, and so children... You know, when you think about it, you can't divorce your kids, although I did have one mom one year say, you know, I wish I could divorce my kid, but, I, you know, I don't know how that works. We can't divorce our children, but all we do is give, 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 and give, we're broken. Now, now let, me give, let me just kind of give you a visual here. I have a bouquet on Mother's Day. Isn't this a real beauty? Look at that, huh? Look at that. Weepy, it's droopy, it's dry, you know. Um, someone asked me the other day, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm creating a sermon illustration. And, um, and I said, you know, what happens when you don't nourish flowers, when you don't give them, like, nutrients, when you don't give them water, when you don't, like, sunlight, and all, talk to them and all those things? If you ever think somebody's crazy, they're talking to a plant. Okay. But, but so we see, you know, it's, it's droopy and all. So this is obviously a bouquet that has seen its better days. You know, there's some moms that look like this, right? Because they've just given so much of their life to their kids, and it's give, 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 and give, and they're just drained out. You know, sometimes we have visual images of droopy moms. Let's, let's pop up. I mean, here, here's a droopy mom. Look, she's just like kind of had it. It's the end of the day. What am I going to do with it? Here, here's a droopier mom. I mean, look at that one. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> I just need some... Some, some quiet, and now here's a mom who's really out of control right here. So, uh, you know, that, uh, so, that, so that's a mom that's kind of really hit her limit, and that's a mom who's saying, does anybody care? Does anybody listening to me? Does anybody even care about how I feel or, or what I'm going through in life? And these are the kinds of things that we see. So, so our moms, our moms are meant to look like this. You see the difference? You see that? Hey, this is what moms are supposed to look like. And this, these are moms that have been well-nourished by their families, well-nourished by their children, and, and honored and loved and, and, and all those things you know, that we see. So moms are supposed to look like this. So, so the question is, when we think about this, what does um, what your mom look like? Or when, if your mom has gone on to life eternal, what did your mom look like when she was here on earth? And what role did you play in doing this. You know, honor is such a key word in the scriptures. Honor is, I'm going to put these back here. 
So honor is a key word in scriptures, and, and we see a lot of that. And, and God, God said we're to take this honoring of our parents very seriously, that he made that statement as one of the big ten, right? So he said, he said, you know, honor your mother, and he says, honor your father, and he says, so that you may live long in the land of your Lord that God is giving you. So God said it's really important for us to honor. And I was really intrigued by the word honor, so I kind of you know, did a little bit of digging, and I looked up a couple of definitions. Here's one. Honor means to regard with great respect and to give high esteem. And then I wanted to go back into the ancient language, and I said, well, what does honor translate to in Hebrew? And honor translates into Hebrew means to add weight to or to be weighty, meaning it needs to, it needs to be weighty, it needs to hold, it needs to have substance to it. It needs to be, you know, that which is really important. And then I love this definition, honor, a thing conferred as a distinction, especially in a, on an official award for bravery and achievement. I thought, that's motherhood right there, you know. But, but we look at this and, and we see the importance of this. So, so, so God says women are important. God says mothers are important. Grandmothers are important. Women who have a, an influence on our life, women are important. And I thank God, I thank God that we don't live in a patriarchal society anymore. What I, one of the things I love about the United Methodist Church is, is that Women can be pastors. Women can be leaders in the church. Women can, can be bishops and, and, and overseers. Whereas a lot of churches, it's, it can only be men, because only men know how to preach the gospel. Only men can speak what Jesus would want us to know. And one of the things I love about the United Methodist Church is we see the value of women. And it's so important and rich to our history that we see. So we're talking now about how to care for our mom. So, so let me just move us a little bit into a scene with Jesus. My preaching instructor used to say, if you can end a sermon about Jesus or using Jesus, it'll be okay. So let's do that. So here's Jesus on the cross. Imagine that. I'm taking us to John chapter 19. For those of you who want to look a little bit ahead, we're going to go to John 19 in a second. But Jesus is on the cross. He is suffering greatly. And there is his mother Mary and a couple other women who are weeping tirelessly. Now, you know, sometimes when we, when we think about, you know, Jesus on the cross, we think that Mary is like at the back end of that room and Jesus is at this room and he's up as high as the roof and he's on this cross and he's looking way down. But I tell you what, the cross was probably maybe, maybe eight, maybe 10 feet up, okay? So imagine, I'm 6'1", so imagine a little bit more. And Mary was likely here. So that's about how close she was to her son on the cross, if you can imagine that for a second. You need to capture that image. Because here's what Jesus does. Jesus recognizes in the first century that without me as her son, my mom could be orphaned. Without me as her son who's living, my mother could just be at the mercy of, of the community. She's going to be, she's probably, you know, she's going to be without a son. And, 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 you know, we don't really know a whole lot about what's happened to Joseph at this time. He's just out of the scene. And so it's really critical because in the first century, a woman's identity was attached to the identity of a man, either her husband or her firstborn, Jesus was the firstborn of this family. 
And so Jesus realizes the importance of this. A child taking care of his mother. Dying on a cross, the scriptures say, John is recording this, near the cross of where Jesus stood, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, so here's, Mary, here's Jesus, here's Mary, John is probably over here. The other women are crowded around. He said to her, so Jesus is close enough for Mary to hear these words. He says to her, woman, here's your son. Look at John. Here's your son. You are not going to be orphaned. You are going to be cared for because, because I love John, and, and John will be the one that will take you into his household. Because when I die, you will still be able to survive. And he, and he says to the disciples, here's your mother. So he looks at John and he says, John, here's your mother, adopt her. And from that time on, this disciple took her in his home. Now, we really don't know what that looked like after. There's a lot of conjecture. A couple things are that, that Mary actually moved in with John and lived about another 19 years and died. And there's other uh, accounts that she didn't actually move in with John, but John's influence was heavy on her, and she continued on to the, um, the ministry of Jesus throughout Lower Palestine. But this picture of caring for our moms is so important, and I think it challenges us. I think it challenges us to the deepness of the core of something that we, we need to be willing to see. And, and are we valuing the women who are important in our life, do we, are we valuing them enough, especially our mothers? For those whose mother has gone on to life eternal, use Jesus' example in a different way. Don't say, well, my mother is dead, and therefore I don't need... No, no, how will you pour into the life of another mother who's living? You see how this works? It's called community, and it's called family, and that's, that's the important thing that we see. So, so, so we're constantly needing to pour into and to care for the women that God has created around us. Let me end with this, I, I, a little poem I wanted to share, and I think this just sums it up very nicely. Uh, it's an anonymous poem. It says, there's no, no love like a mother's, her heart is filled with care. With Christ as her example, her Savior's love she'll share. There's that sharing piece. A mother's love is endless, not changing for all time. When needed by her children, a mother's love will shine. God bless these special mothers. God bless them, everyone, for all their tears and heartaches and especially the work they've done. When days on earth are over, a mother's love lives on through many generations. God's blessings on each one. Be thankful for our mothers who love with higher love from power God has given, and strength from up above. God bless mothers.